How do I do my taxes? What's a credit limit? Where can I find a doctor? When's the best time to move? Who can I ask about all this? And why wasn't I taught how to be an adult? Hi, I'm Kathy. And I'm Genevieve. And, and we're, we're just, just as lost as you are. Come along with us as we journey through the weird, confusing, and sometimes scary world of adulthood. Every week, we'll talk with experts and those who have been there, done that, to answer your questions and ours. And on this edutainment podcast, we'll finally learn how to be an adult. So come on. Enjoy, enjoy the, the Society, society of, of Grown-Ups. Is it possible to, because obviously there's no, you know, you can do tests for heart disease. You can do tests yeah. and take blood and all that. There's really not tests like that for mental illness. Is it possible to get the wrong diagnosis? And if you feel like you have received the wrong diagnosis, what should you do? And does that happen a lot? Like, do you find that, you know, you'll say someone has, I don't know, things. I know one that gets, I've, I've heard from people that gets confused a lot is BPD. So borderline personality disorder and bipolar <laughs> disorder. So yeah. I don't know, like, how do you tell the difference and, you know, yeah. how do you know if you've received the right diagnosis? Yeah, it can happen really frequently. Again, we don't have, a, we don't even do a physical exam because this is all like information that we're receiving from you and the way that you describe your emotions and the way that you describe your stress. So it's also, it, it can be um, no, it depends on the, the, the person who is assessing the condition at that time. Um, and it also depends on the time that we talk to you. Um, it can also depend on how many questions we ask about prior episodes of your, your history with this condition in the past. So very often, um, you know, I will see a patient, uh, this patient will see somebody else or saw somebody else in the past, and the diagnosis was not the same one. Um, you know, I try to go back in time and ask so many questions about prior episodes. Um, also, um, there's so many components. There's substance use, your social history, if you have support, if you were hospitalized in the past, if you try medication, so many things. But I also, I mention this to my patients all the time, is that keep in mind that the diagnosis is kind of like a label. Um, does it matter that much? It's important. It's very important to have the right diagnosis. But what matters the most are your symptoms. So the purpose with the medications and treatment in general, not only medication, is to address your symptoms. If we are addressing your symptoms, we're in the right track. And, 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 and it's regardless of the name that we're given to that, to that condition. Um, doesn't mean that it's not important. It's really important because if you know that, for example, someone is bipolar, there are certain medications that you want to avoid. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about your symptoms and addressing those symptoms, making you feel better. That's why also sometimes you start a medication and this is not ideal, but sometimes when you start a medication and you feel that things, they don't go the right way, that clarifies that maybe your diagnosis wasn't right. You have to go back and reassess. Um, again, not ideal, but that also happens that down the line after you met with your psychiatrist several times or try different types of, of um, treatments, that's when you know that probably maybe this diagnosis is not correct. We're missing something here. I mean, doctors, you know, are human. It happens. Yeah, it absolutely happens. And so many mental health disorders have 
similar components and similar feelings and you may feel this way and they present in different people and yeah it's it can be really really hard to like get a yeah get a true diagnosis especially now with like google because it's so easy (laughs) to just like go in google and then it's you just like write something is that your least favorite thing to hear when someone comes in and they're like (laughs) i google this and i know what i have (laughs) yeah i googled it and i know that i am i have this disorder so give me medication (laughs) It happens all the time. It can be for good, for, you know, maybe it's not the best thing in some cases, but I also like when my patients come here and they are already doing their own research. Um, I think that some conditions, for example, BPD that you just mentioned, um, you know, it's one of those conditions that it's really hard for me to just give that condition of like, after talking to someone for like an hour. Um, So what I do is like, okay, this is a possibility. Um, but I just met you like 60 minutes ago. So I don't feel ready to give you that diagnosis because unfortunately there's some stigma to that. Then once I had that diagnosis in these records that we use in here in the, in the um, medical community, that will be there forever. So I also try to be really careful about that, but I ask the patient to read about it. Of course, I try to recommend, you know, good sources of information, books, that kind of things. Not and Facebook. most of the time, <laughs> right. <laughs> so sometimes they will come back and say, you know what I was reading about? And you're completely right. This describes what I'm struggling with so well. But sometimes they come and they say, I don't think this is me, you know? And I think right. definitely we, we need to listen to, to that because nobody knows yourself better than yourself. And we have to, we have to, we have to listen to our patients when they are saying um, that. Um, but it can happen really frequently. I also kind of warn my patients. For example, with with SSRIs, antidepressants, I talk about the side effects, and I say you're going to Google it, and then the first thing that is going to come up is serotonin syndrome. And then I talk about serotonin syndrome. Yes, it's really severe, but it's likely. And I talk about how likely is that to happen and all that. Um, so, so I think that you know we have we have some positive i think that it's good that people is trying to educate themselves but also sometimes um you know it's not that good right now there's so much content out there in tiktok that i know that is well intended but people is talking from their own experience and something that is really um really good to remember with mental health is that there's not like a typical case every case is unique um, there are no two patients that are just the same case, you know? So even though that is good to have that education and to relate to others, it's important also to know that your mental health is different from everybody else's. Good point. Yeah. It's almost like, you know what you're doing. I think I say that every episode too. <laughs> um, so, okay. So kind of, uh, how I first heard about, I've been fascinated with mental health since I was probably six years old and how I first heard about it again, media doesn't usually portray mental health and mental illness in a great way. Although there are some good examples. Um, the first exposure I had to it in media was, I can't think what was the movie. Oh, it was girl interrupted. And they have a lot, you know, psychiatric hospital. So like, mm-hmm. what is a psychiatric hospital and what kind of people go there and how long are they there? And I know that it ha- can, it has a very dark history and it's changed a yeah. lot, but what, what is it, I guess, nowadays? 
Yeah. So basically, um, most of the time is just is it's just a regular hospital, but then there's a section that is for psychiatry, the psychiatry department. So the thing with this is that we have to make these places extra safe. Uh, from the clothes that you're wearing to like every single detail, like there's no mirrors, um, the doors, they don't have a regular, you know, doorknob, they have like, sa- like safety ones. Um, people have to change into like these uh, scrubs. Um, they may take pretty much everything away from you. So this is, I know that this can be really traumatic for people because a lot of people describe it as like being in jail but the whole purpose is to keep you safe um and that also depends on the type of facility that you are and why what are you there um of course there are some cases that are more severe than others so there are some units that they can be more um their concern for safety is like higher and the duration of the of the hospitalization also depends on their um, on the condition. Um, sometimes people are there just overnight of about three days. Some people can be there for weeks. Um, I think that you know, I, I I hear a lot from my patients how traumatizing that can be. And I think that in some degree, I really understand. Well, I really understand that um, is basically you're in the hospital, which again nobody likes to go to the hospital. But then, because of all the safety concerns, um, it becomes even more restricting, more um, to some degree unpleasant, you know. Um, but definitely, I think that it's important for people if they are not feeling safe. I think that is one of the the best thing that they can do. Most of the time, they come out of there with that treatment plan and once you're feeling you know safe and they are comfortable then you go home then you can go and then continue seeing your psychiatrist on the outpatient basis um but it can be a a really stressful situation i'm not going to deny that it can be um but i think that the whole the the whole purpose of the when you are there is like safety make sure that the patient is safe Heather, have you ever seen a movie or a film or something or a TV show where you think a psychiatric hospital was accurately portrayed? No. No? no I have to be honest. No. They're always like, they picture it like, like way, way worse than what yeah. it is. Oh, do you see, um, what's the name? Um, nurse, um, Ryan Murphy, um, nurse, oh, Rashid. Oh, 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 that was bad. The uh, cuckoo's nest? Yeah. One flew over the cuckoo's nest? No, it no. was with a... Oh, what's Ratchet, Sarah Paulson. Yeah. I yes. hated that show. I hated that show so much. Yeah, I it because made me so upset. It was, it was weird because it was really bad, but at the same time, they make them feel like it was, um, you know, like the 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 office of like the doctors and everything was like really over the top. And it was so gaudy. Yeah. It was also I, a Ryan Murphy show and like, he's a queen, like everything is right, so, right, he's such right, a queen. Right. But yeah, also too, it was like in the fifties. I mean, I'm, I, nowadays we look at what they did and it, yeah, it's a, like how they did a, the, the cold it, water. Yeah. It was based on a true story. I believe like it's based on an actual person. Yeah. She's supposed to be nurse uh-huh. Ratchet from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, and one okay. flew over yes, the cuckoo's nest right. was a book. And then they turned into the movie and it was starring Jack Nicholson. It actually is based on a real person. So while the oh dramatic storyline isn't true, the wow. nurse of nurse Mildred is based on a real person. So um, the inspiration for the novel is actually drawn from working in a psychiatric wing in a hospital. 
Wow. I was just going to mention that also it was much like it was way way worse like you know 50 years ago 60 years ago so that also we have to take in cons- that in consideration because in the past someone will go to one of those um, hospitals and they will stay there for like months um, years now still there are some facilities facilities that are long term and there are residential um, facilities but um, it's not the case in, in most of the cases um, patients go until they are stable and then um, they will leave and go back home. Right. I always thought of whenever I think of psychiatric hospitals, I think of um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I also think of it's kind of a funny story with Emma Roberts. I don't know if you've seen oh, that. Yeah. I would love to hear your take on that. Is that Galifianakis is in it too? Because I feel like when they portray psychiatric hospitals, like everyone's talking to themselves and hitting the right. walls <laughs> and like, and then there's always a girl who's really like skinny and edgy and she kind of knows more than everyone else. I feel like that's a trope. And yeah, I feel like they portray people as just these over the top, can't control themselves talking at the like screaming pulling their hair out and i'm like i don't i don't think that's how it in in real life one of the one of the biggest things from growing up for when someone goes there and what they are not expecting most of the time is that you also run into a lot of people that are kind of like struggling with the kind of same things that you are struggling with so because you don't have access to your cell phone and you know everything is kind of like restricted and also most of the units will have like group therapy going on throughout the whole day. Then it's also, you know, this opportunity to, to just realize that you are not the only one who struggle with this, uh, that there's a lot of people out there that they struggle with the same things or sometimes even worse. And it's also that, um, you know, that, the, that moment in like period of time where you just realize that you're not alone, you know, and these are real issues and it happens to a lot of people. So true. Such a good message. I think people, yeah, people need to realize that more that they're not alone. So if a loved one is exhibiting signs of mental illness, what are some ways that you can help them or talk with them about what they're going through? And how do you suggest getting help? Because I feel like that can be a really touchy subject with people. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think that communication is the, the, you know, huge factor. So I think that start asking questions in a very respectful way, it can be helpful. Um, I also think that if someone has a doctor that they trust, even if they are no, you know, they don't work in the mental health field, it can be the first step to talk about those things. Um, most of the doctors, I know that a lot of them, they, they have other specialties, but if they start having concerns about this, they can talk about what to do next. Uh, or who they can talk to. Um, I also mentioned pretty often that if you don't feel comfortable seeing a psychiatrist, you can always see a therapist um, because I think that a, a big part of this is like people are afraid of medications. More than the diagnosis, they get really afraid of like medications being forced. So if you feel more comfortable to talk to someone that only will do therapy, talk um, therapy, that's also a good doctor and a good place to start. And they will also let you know if they think that, you know, that they need um, help from any other kind of professional. But I do think that if you notice that someone is struggling with that, just talk to them. And you don't even have to actually talk about like, hey, are you feeling depressed? 
just let them know that you are there. Send a text message one, you know, every so often and asking them how they're doing. Um, and just let them know that you are there, that you're supported. Can someone get help against their will? So if like they're a danger to themselves, yeah. what is, cause I've made that call before. What is the process of doing that? And like, how do you know when it's time to make that call? Yeah, that can be a really difficult situation. And then it depends also where you are at, where, do you, where you live and where the, the, the person is at. Um, you know, I think that it comes down to safety. If, you, if you're talking to someone and you feel that this person, that, you know, you're concerned about their safety in general, you don't know if they're going to do something to harm themselves or harm somebody else, I think that, you know, making that call can damage, I don't want to say damage, but it can affect the relationship. But again, the priority is safety. So if this is going to keep someone that you love safe, I think it's, it's actually worth it to just call the authorities on um, 911 or whatever organization or even a crisis line can help. Um, yeah, I think that the biggest thing is that most of the time that this can affect the relationship, definitely. And we, and when I say we, like mental health professionals, we, that is also something that we think a lot because nobody's coming here to think that we're going to call the police or that we're going to call someone to take them away. So when you do that, it can be really scary for someone. It's very uncommon to happen. For someone to do that, they have to be, you know, very concerned. But if it comes to that, I prefer the patient to, to be safe. Um, how, so for, you know, calling 911 can be very traumatic. And mm-hmm. especially for someone who is, you know, uh, a person of color, you know, authorities aren't always yeah. <laughs> the most accommodating. The best people uh, to call. Yeah, the best people to call. Yeah, um, and also sometimes they're not equipped what do yeah. you have any resources for our listeners, uh, like about crisis hotlines to call, or what are some other alternatives to calling nine one one? Like, do you have any numbers or any websites that people can go to? I think it depends also where you are located. So yes, like calling the police can be really scary, especially if you belong to a minority group. Um, I completely understand that, but I also know that there are so many organizations that they provide help, uh, help. Um, and they can actually con- um, help you in different ways, even over the phone or sending someone there. So I definitely think that depends on where you are located and also how you identify. If you belong to the LGBTQ community or if you, are, um, if you identify with a different race that is, you know, besides um, white, if you're a Hispanic, Black, all that, there's different organizations can help you with that. I wish I can come with one, but it definitely depends on what is happening. So usually it doesn't go that someone will call and, and immediately you will be taken to a hospital. There's always an assessment. Even when someone disagrees to go to the hospital, in most of the, I'm going to talk about Illinois because I'm here in Chicago, but it's more than one person that have to assess the situation and the person to decide this patient if the person will stay in the hospital. 
So it's not that it's going to happen automatically. An assessment will be needed. But yeah, I think that it's important to do some research in your area. What kind of organizations can provide that for you? It sucks. But again, at the end of the day, it's getting them the help they need. And it may take them a while to come around, but at the end of the day, they're alive and they're Mm -hmm. safe. And hopefully when they come out of the episode and start to get help, they'll be able to see that. Yeah. Um, um, sometimes the, the patient who's making the call get concerned about like, you know, the relationship, if this is going to damage their relationship. And I will say that most of the time also, you know, the, the, the patient will, will be able to look at this in a very different way once they're feeling better. Um, I was also going to mention that if you belong to the LGBTQ plus community, the Trevor mm-hmm. Project have a, it's a good, they have good resources. I believe that they also have a hotline that you can um, call uh, and they mainly deal with, you know, people who struggle with self-harming thoughts. So that's also a pretty good resource. Yeah, the Trevor Project is great. We actually have a couple questions about queer mental health as well. Yeah. What mental health challenges does the LGBTQ community, LGBTQ Okay, what mental health challenges is the LGBTQ plus community face? I'm sorry, I totally felt like Justin Trudeau at that point when he was like <laughs> the LGBTQ. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're fine. This is something that I explain why frequently to, to my patients and to people in general. It's like, it's not like the conditions are any different. Um, we have definitely gender dysphoria, which can happen. Um, people who identify as non-binary or transgender or gender non-conforming. Um, however, th- that is some of the cases. Generally speaking, um, is mainly like mood disorders, like depression or anxiety. What is different is like the source of the, what is actually causing these conditions. Um, people with, that belong to the LGBTQ plus community, um, they definitely have different challenges than the, the rest of the population. The lack of support is really important. Um, conflicts with family, being discriminated at work. Um, if then you add someone that is that doesn't feel comfortable about their, you know, how they, they, they look, which is happening mostly with people that is gender non-conforming or transgender, then you add another stressor there. And is um, sometimes they need to start hormones, engage in like, like surgery or other um, treatment, um, you know, and I think that, that all that can be a stressor. And of course, the, the mood disorders, depression and anxiety disorders can be actually more, frequent for the population. I believe that they're about like, if I remember correctly, it's about six times more likely to be diagnosed with anxiety or depression than the rest of the the population. Um, Not surprising. I think that it's also about six times more likely to be taking any kind of medication for this. Six times more likely? Yeah. Yeah. So it's significant. And then we also, if I remember correctly, there's about like 40% 40% of like transgender or gender non-conforming patients, they have in some way attempted to harm themselves. Yeah. 40%. So I, that I is, believe that's it. a big number. That's I a absolutely really big believe number. it. 
it's even bigger, particularly for trans women of color. I think the murder rate. Oh, is, yeah. I can't remember what the murder rate is. It's high. But yeah. It's yeah. High, and, and people wonder, oh, you know, they're so depressed. Well, yeah, if they're being rejected by their family and their work and also they're living in hiding. Oh, and by the way, they're experiencing gender dysphoria. Yeah. Oh, and now they're getting surgery, which is a huge process to go and cope with. Yeah. Oh, now they're yeah. changing their pronouns. And then now it's like, yeah, no wonder yeah. they're six times more likely to be on medication. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. No. And it's not even just like work. It's not even just family. It's society. You know, there's still right. so many like bigots still out right. there who right. refuse to accept people for who they are. Or not even right. that. I mean, like as you know, so many of like my, my queer friends talk about, they're like, I'm just constantly coming out because we assume, you know, the heteronormative thing, you know, that you're straight until you say otherwise, or that you're cis until you say otherwise. And it's like, why is that? I mean, we know why that's the assumption, unfortunately, but it's just exhausting. And then, you know, especially with the trans community or non-binary or gender non-conforming community, there people ask them the quest. This could be a whole other episode. The freaking questions that they get asked. I'm like, do you go up to a cis person and say, oh, what are your genitals or what? Uh, right. What do you have down there? Can we stop talking about people's genitals? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> right. Who cares? Who like, cares? Yeah. Okay. Even uh, what? The gender reveal parties are so weird to me. I can't. Oh, I hate them so don't, much. Don't even get me started. It's friends, like friends who are listening. If you have a gender reveal party, I'm not going. I love you, but it's not happening. Like, sure, if well, you want to celebrate, cut a cake, whatever. Why do you need to start a wildfire on top of that? Well, what I always say, and every time I see a video like Nisha and stuff, I only want to make a comment. I, 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 I try to avoid to do this, but I say, well, you are basically knowing the sex of your baby. You are not knowing the gender of your baby. The gender, they will know it once they grow up, once they start developing their personality and they start growing up, they will know their gender. And they'll um, tell you. Well, right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, hopefully they feel comfortable about talking about this with their parents. So oh, such yeah. a huge part. You know, find the resources. We'll have resources in the yeah. show notes. Yeah. Trevor Project is great. I think it's so important if you're seeing somebody to, if you, if you want to read about them, most of the providers nowadays, they have a website where they talk about who, who they are and like, you know, what kind of um, interests they have. So feel free to do that. Feel free to ask questions. If you're respectful, most of the providers we will be just fine answering those questions. And again, seeing somebody like a psychiatrist, a therapist, a psychologist, all that is anxiety provoking, it makes it more than one time. You know, maybe you need to meet the different ones and 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 find to finally find the one that you feel comfortable with. I know that you know that it can be really expensive. I also know that the healthcare system doesn't help in most of the cases, but if you feel that someone is not a good fit for you, that's fine. You know, there's someone out there that it would be a good fit for you. It's like it's okay to break up with your therapist. Literally, your it psychotherapist, is. your it music is. therapist, your doctor, like, any yeah, anybody. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Literally, it's like it's like dating also too i mean again we could have a whole other episode on how fucked the healthcare system is and how they're like oh you have a mental health issue we're not going to pay for that sorry and you're like okay cool i guess i'll just go or it's like yeah we'll we'll just pay up to like five dollars for the year (laughs) (laughs) literally yeah therapy's expensive unfortunately well no and it's sometimes i like oh you can see the therapy five times and it's like well i mean it's (laughs) like i need years of therapy or they only cover or they don't cover certain 
medications or they only cover mm. up to a certain medication is so I know you don't make the prices, but medication is so freaking expensive. Sometimes it's I look really at expensive. my meds and I look at my copay and then what it actually is. And I want to vomit. It's freaking ridiculous. It so it and people can be on more than one medication. It's again, whole other episode about the healthcare system, but Anyways, I'm getting all riled. <laughs> it gets me so upset. I don't know how you don't. Are you like upset all the time? When you hear horror stories. Well, about- I just, I just think that is, yeah, it's, there's so many challenges with the with the healthcare system and, and insurance and all all that stuff. I think it's so you know some sometimes it's just. There's so many. It feels like kind of like filters to finally you know give the medic the right medication or to approve the right not even medication the right treatment for someone um and i i always try to do the best i always start with the ones that i know that they work and they are not expensive but sometimes you know every case is is difficult and it's so sad that sometimes there's this treatment or this medication that may work really good for someone but because of the financial situation of the healthcare system or the insurance company they cannot get it yeah. Well, thank you for all that you, you do. And I'm sure your patients are very grateful for you. <laughs> um, so if you grew up in a home with a parent or a sibling, um, that had a mental illness, because we so often talk about the person with the mental illness, but yeah. everyone else gets affected too. How can you work through any trauma or issues that may have caused you growing up? Yeah. It's actually pretty frequent that, you know, that especially if some, if there's someone in the family with a severe mental health condition or even medical condition that requires so much attention from your parents or caregivers, that the other person around there um, that is in that situation um, definitely feel kind of left out or neglected from, from the caregivers. So I definitely think that it's important to do therapy ideally all the families receiving therapy while this is going on but sometimes that is actually impossible um sometimes the stress is already enough with whatever they are dealing with but i think that if you were in that situation and you're you're already an adult it's really important to talk to someone about that um we know especially when there are really chronic um conditions like schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder or um, bipolar disorder. If someone is, if you know, is struggling with the mental health while you're growing up, this can be really, you know, it can be really traumatic for the whole family. And I think that it's important to talk to someone about how to deal with with that. Um, even if it's years later, I think that it's still, it's never too late to talk about all this stuff. Yeah. Never too late. So go to therapy, everyone. Yes. We need to make bumper stickers. (laughs) (laughs) We have one last question before we move up to our wrap up. Um, So once you're diagnosed and you're, if you're struggling to cope, what advice would you have? I, um, I think that the, one of the first things that I recommend is to read about it. Because that also, you know, you, you will realize that you, pretty likely you're not alone. This is not something that is only happening to you. It's happening to probably thousands and thousands of people. So that's the first thing. The other thing is that, you know, if you need to take a medication, that is okay. 
Um, taking a medication, it depends on the condition. Sometimes it's temporarily, sometimes it's more um, something that you need to take for the rest of your life. But you don't need to disclose that to anybody. That is, if you want to talk about it and that helps you, good. But you don't need to talk about that. That is your, you know, medical history and you can keep it private. That is your right. Just your doctor and you have the right to know about this. So no, because you are taking a medication for depression or for anxiety means that everybody needs to know about it. Um, the other thing is that what we were just talking about, that these are conditions that are just as valid or as important like medical, physical conditions. Um, so there's, you shouldn't feel guilty or bad about this. It can happen to any of us. Um, and I think that once you realize that there's other people, you know, experiencing this um, and you realize how frequent it is, um, you will feel much better because then you don't feel like you're alone. Um, you don't feel that it's only you or there's something wrong with you. Um, but definitely talking to your provider, to your doctor is important. Having a good relationship with them, um, being honest to them. And finding that, 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 that person that you can talk about all this stuff that you feel comfortable with is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we did have a listener question this week. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to remain anonymous. So anonymous asks, how can you help someone who is unwilling to seek help? So I think that we're going back to what we were talking about being supportive, being present. I think that if you're concerned about that person, let them know that you are there. Um, like I say, if you're just sending a text message once in a while, hey, how are you doing? Um, let them know that you are dead, there to help. Also, um, you know, a lot of us, we have a primary care doctor and a lot of, sometimes they ask, you know, they have these forms that you fill out when you go there, but they are actually not asking directly to you about all this stuff. So feel free, if, you, if this is a person that you feel more comfortable talking about it, that's a good place to start with. But it definitely, I think that it comes down to like being supportive, being there for them. If they want to talk about it, good, that's good. Listen, most of the time, the people who is actually strongly with depression and anxiety, they just want someone who will listen. Um, they're not looking for the solution to the problem. I think you can always offer help, but I think that the main thing is just to validate what they're struggling with and be there to listen. Thanks for that advice. I hope that helps that person. (laughs) Okay. And Juan, what is the most adult thing you've done this week? We ask all of our guests. That's our last question for you. (laughs) Oh, um, let me think about that. So this week I I was... um, it has been raining here in Chicago. And then um, my my office was like the entrance of my of my office was floating. And I had to call like a like a guy that is an expert in like bricks outside because apparently it's coming from a wall outside. So um so it was really weird to having someone here explaining all how the all this stuff work and how the water can get inside. And I'm like, I never have done this before. <laughs> You're like, just fix it, please. Oh my God. I just just don't want water inside. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to go. I don't want to have my clients swim. Yeah, we're not swimming right now. Oh my gosh. I just want my 
my patients and my client to get in without you know this right. huge parole water in the, in the entrance that's so adult having this crazy like thing happen to you and then just having to deal with it on top of everything else well i hope it's fixed now i hope there's no water anywhere we're working on it we're working amazing on it. <laughs> we love it we love people we're working on it great um so dr gaddy thank you so so much for coming on you're so knowledgeable and it was just it was great talking with you and thank you for answering our millions of questions um <laughs> um <laughs> So if people want to know more about you or if they want to follow you or enjoy your TikToks as much as we do, where can they find you? So, yeah, so I'm more active in TikTok. So Dr. Gaddy, which is D-R dot Gaddy, which is G-A-D-D-I. Um, I basically just, I try to educate people while making like jokes about mental health. I know that some people enjoy that. Some people, they prefer not the, the humorous part. They're not a big fan of that. But I think that I try to do anything that I can to make people talk about mental health, uh, whatever it is. And whatever um, posts I'm making, there's always some, something to, you know, to take from there, a piece of education. Um, I also have my practice, um, Equal Mental Health, uh, here in Chicago, um, and in the North Halstead location, which is an LGBTQ plus neighborhood. Um, so here I see my patients here at Equal. And, and yeah, if you, if you have questions about my practice, um, the website is equalmentalhealth.com. Thanks so much. We'll make sure to have all that in the description mm-hmm. so you can check him out. And remember, he has a really cute dog. So Great. nothing yeah. else, go watch the TikTok. Just for, for the, the dog. dog. Just for the dog. So, so cute. That is my baby. <laughs> oh, what's his name again? Ray. 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 Little Ray of sunshine. Oh, my God. Yeah. So cute. We love dogs here, too. Well, Ray, Ray is um, is a bull terrier. I also have another dog, Jake, but he is not good with, with um, cameras. He's he a diva. Like the, no, oh, he wow. doesn't like it. He's just, like, always running around. And doesn't like, like the paparazzi. Right. Yeah. He's very so private. He, he hasn't made his debut on TikTok. Pretty soon I will have a video with Jake. Amazing. Awesome. So it's Jake and Ray? Jake and Ray, yes. So oh, cute. so oh. cute. We'll keep an eye out for Jake. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. Gaddy. And thank you, grownups, uh, our listeners. You've been listening to Society of Grownups. I'm Gen- I almost said I'm Kathy. <laughs> and I'm Genevieve, and I'm Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.